0: Baseball with the Bard. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome back to your Sunday morning show of Baseball with the Bard. A little early this morning. We're starting at 10 o'clock rather than 11. Sorry for the late notice, but we've got some things to attend to later in the day. So we got an early start for you this morning. And happy opening week, by the way, to the NFL. Happy to see another sport up and running. So we will. Uh, you'll see some of us appear once in a while on some other CMG podcasts, such as All Four Downs, Keys to the City, other places that talk about the NFL. So if you're interested, check those guys out as well. Um, so, Noah, week nine, we have made it.
1: Absolutely. Nine episodes. It's exciting. I keep telling you I'm ready for number 10 for reasons of wrestling, but we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: <laughs> We're very excited to be here, as a, uh, and again, Good morning, Tyler Bard, Noah Cross over there. We are ready to bring you your weekly dose of baseball with the Bard. So let's start off once again how I always like to begin the show with the negative so we can focus on the positive. The Giants and Padres games have been postponed for the moment after a positive COVID-19 test was taken within the Giants organization. Both the Giants and the Padres are presently in playoff positions in the National League. And with less than three weeks to go in the abbreviated 60 game regular season, <laughs> this is exactly what I was scared for going into the postseason. Both of these teams have been playing extremely well. As you recall, Noah, I, I called the Padres doing very well before the season even began. And I hope to God that this isn't a reason that they end up, uh, you know, setting up a not making it to the playoffs sorry I don't know why I couldn't get that out there um I I, I hope this doesn't affect their chances of making a good playoff run
1: yeah I mean I agree it's we've seen how injuries and or COVID sicknesses or postponements can affect bald clubs all over the league uh this year and it's really really late I mean three weeks left there's not a lot of time there's not a lot of time to make up games there's not a lot of time to get healthy uh, so it's definitely unfortunate for a team like that to be so hot in the beginning and to be facing these challenges so late in this shortened season, especially with that expanded playoff. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of room for error.
0: Yeah, and it makes it makes you think about, oh, my gosh, imagine if this just continues. If mm-hmm. more teams as the postseason goes on, if these teams get sick with COVID, how far can we push the postseason? Are we just going to keep pushing into uh, uh, the winter months? And potentially playing on neutral grounds and not going to your home park. And, uh, you know, we have to think about all these things now because, you know, for the last week, it was kind of quiet on the COVID front. And then once again, COVID reared its ugly head as it is in our home state of Connecticut. Uh, It is rearing its ugly head once again. Um, So it's just I don't know what to do. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Steve, right off the bat, coming in with the Toronto comments. Noah, we'll get to you later to address Steve on his Toronto comments.
1: I have nothing um, to say. I have nothing to say.
0: <laughs> but I, Steve wrote something interesting in the, in the comments right under that. Baseball needs a bubble. Um, and I agree because I've said on many of the different CMG podcast shows that the NBA is doing an incredible job keeping their guys safe and healthy. It's just some of the players themselves who are going against uh, – the recommendations and rules that are, are hurting them. And that's kind of what happened with MLB. But MLB didn't have as strict guidelines as they, as they do now when they started the season. Um, so as I have said for the last week, I am glad to see that the numbers are dropping in the MLB. It's not as uh, prominent as it was at the beginning of the season. But once again, we can see it just takes one person to take and you know mess up an entire series, like the Giants and Padres, which was a massive series. Heading into the home stretch of this sixty-game season, mm. so uh, I, I just I don't know what more the MLB can do. Noah, do you think there's one more step the MLB can take to protect these players, or do you think they've kind of exhausted their options at this point?
1: I mean, besides instituting the bubble, which I would say is harder for MLB than it is for the NBA. Yeah. Um, No, to be honest. I don't think there's much more they can do. They've already done a great job. In the beginning, it was choppy. We saw a few teams get sick. We saw a few teams have multiple players drop. We saw many teams postpone and that kind of thing. Uh, But now they seem to have cleared up a lot. They're able to get it together. They were able to uh, mitigate the damage and really just move forward with the baseball season. So in all honesty, I don't think there's a whole lot they can do to keep things like this from happening. And even I would say on a front that you have to kind of think about, And it's a fact that they knew they were probably going to encounter things like this. They knew they were going to encounter ball clubs getting sick. They knew of the damage that could happen. Their job was and their goal was to try and keep that as low as possible. Um, And that's where you see postponements. That's where you see games getting canceled and such. So in terms of what MLB can do further, I really don't think there's too much. And I also say to the point of you saying how far can we push the postseason, I, I, I honestly don't see the postseason getting pushed much at all. I honestly think that baseball will just move forward. They have alternative sites for every ball club with a 30-man roster who's just going to stay hot. So at any any point, someone is ready to jump in and just take over. And they're going to have to just go with what they got and hope for some magic.
0: Yeah, I hope, hope, as we've been hoping all season, that they can get it under wraps because everyone wants to see some postseason baseball. October is right around the corner, and it is the best time of year for us baseball fans. Um, but let's just take a moment. This is uh, Joe, our producer. I'll give you a heads up here. I want to talk about Joe West and the Hunter Wendelstead crew really quick. Um, Joe West he, and, and Hunter Wendelstead. I believe Hunter Wendelstead was actually the umpire who ejected uh, GM Mike Rizzo of the Nationals uh, for heckling the umpires from his suite. Uh, Rizzo said that he had been yelling at the umpires from his suite, saying things like, you're brutal because of their strike zone call uh, and because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the lack of fans in the stadium, everything can be heard on the field level. This is like going to a high school softball game and heckling the umpire when you're sitting right behind them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I don't understand the umpire's move here. You, are, are you made of paper skin and glass bones that your pride is that easily stabble by a guy who disagrees with your one horrible calling and two, your staff, Hunter Wendelstead and Joe West are two of the most questioned umpires in the league behind Mr. Angel Hernandez. Mm. What I found most ridiculous is that Joe West, who wasn't even the one who ejected him or isn't even the crew chief Hunter Wendelstead is the crew chief goes into the dugout and goes down and calls security to eject the GM from his own Stadium. I don't understand what that is. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Look at this comment from Joe West. He says on ejecting the nasty end, If it was Donald Trump, I'd eject him, too. And that Joe West is why you need to retire from the ma- uh, Major League Baseball. No one's coming to the stadium to watch you. And, you know, for a fact, if he was making those comments up there when there was a full stadium, everyone around him would be laughing because it's we're not here to see the umpires. The umpires are here to make a call, and that's it. And I'm tired of these umpires interjecting themselves into these games, specifically Joe West, Hunter Wendelstead, and uh, uh, Angel Hernandez. And there's just so many umpires who we shouldn't know their name for their bad calls. We should know their name because they're an incredible umpire. Joe West, you're not one of them. Sorry, buddy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to. Uh, i have to agree with you in the sense of umpires are just putting themselves in the game a little too much. Um, I mean, obviously they're under a good amount of stress too in, in managing the games, keeping things uh, going and that kind of stuff. And they're also experiencing, I guess, this increased schedule and tougher schedule that baseball is having to endure now. Um, but in terms of, I guess, pointing in the stands and call- singling out a person and tossing them out of the game, granted, I'm not sure what the exchange was between – Uh, These two individuals on our screens now, but I just don't. I don't agree with umpires. I guess going into the stands, and we've seen umpires throw fans out before. So ridiculous, heckling, which honestly to me is 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 more ridiculous than throwing out a GM. Like I feel like a GM has to, and this is where you might disagree with me. I feel like a GM has to hold themselves to a certain standard as a an executive in the ball club. Like, you know, the manager sure is going to get thrown out if there's a bad call, as their job is as a manager, and the GM can do that too. But I think they're putting themselves in that position to be ejected. As to where if I was a fan and I was sitting in the fourth row on the first baseline and they've been calling a bad strike zone all night and I've been heckling and I get tossed for buying a – and I know and I have a $500 ticket at Yankee Stadium per se and I get thrown out of the game, then I think that that's an issue.
0: I just think overall the umpires have become such an issue in baseball – when a commentator has to talk about an umpire, um, they've already gone too far. Uh, unless, uh, yeah, they're calling yeah. them, unless they're also calling them out for just having a bad night. If they're calling them out for ejecting a GM, they have put themselves way too far into the game. They need to get thicker skin and focus on the game rather than their stinking pride. It's just so annoying that we have to deal with umpires every year. There's always a scandal, and usually it's the delicate ego of Angel Hernandez. Um, but this time, it just so happens to be Cowboy Joe and the, uh, the owner of the Hunter Wendelstedt School of Umpires. That's terrifying, who is uh, the one on the p- front page right now. But I guess really? we've bashed umpires enough for right now. Yeah, so, that's good. Uh, <laughs> as,
1: as you would say, Tyler, let's get back to baseball.
0: <laughs> you got it, buddy. So the Athletics World Series hopes may have taken a hit, which is music to Noah's ears. <laughs> uh, because Mr. Chapman mm. has a season ending hip injury that could not have gone worse. The, a- the A's have announced that they placed three baseman, Matt Chapman on the 10 day IL. So that's a bit of a bright spot right now. Um, cause it doesn't look like it's going to be like a career ending injury. It just looks like it's going to be something that, okay, he can't play for the rest of this season. We'll get him back and ready for a non COVID season. Um, so he's going to undergo the surgery tomorrow. He's out for the season. Chapman, who is 27, finishes the season with 10 home runs twenty and 25 RBIs through 37 games this season. He had an 8-12 OPS mm-hmm. and ranked third on the team behind Robbie Grossman and Sean Murphy. Um, yeah, super excited to see that they were making a push. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, wah, wah, one injury, one COVID case, one stubbed toe, and this season – moves on so quickly without you because you don't have a lot of time to make up for it. Um, so unfortunately, Mr. Matt Chapman, uh, we wish you the quickest recovery possible. Um, and may all I do, I don't know about Noah. He's happy to see Oakland uh, moving out of the postseason picture potentially. Um, so <laughs> no, would you like to comment on the Oakland athletics, uh, you know, MVP I
1: mean, uh, potentially sure.
0: being done?
1: For sure, and as you know, Tyler, as we have a love for baseball before we have a love for any team or player. Sure. So, at a at a perspective of baseball, I I obviously wish Matt Chapman the best. I don't want to ever see players injured. You know, no if players yeah, playing players playing bad. That I'll take every day. That you know, yeah. I, I'll, I'll <laughs> take the Red Sox playing bad every day. I don't want to see anybody hurt though. Um, you know, especially a guy like Matt Chapman, who was having a great season, he's had incredible seasons leading up to this year. And this was a season where they really needed him to play a full season as healthy as possible because there wasn't a lot of room for error in 60 games, you have to win as much as possible. Uh, you know, now especially, you can't go on a 10 game losing streak and then recover because that 10 games is vital in this short season. So, them losing him in this spot with three weeks left, um, I mean. I, can I just say, when I see like um, season-ending injury, I don't. I take that with a bit of a grain of salt, only because the season was so short to begin with. Because if we look at a regular season and we saw season-ending surgery within the first two months, that's tragic. Yeah. Um, for me, with only sixty games and there's three weeks left, and they say season-ending, I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. Um, you know, but I just, you know, you get what I'm saying? I just don't see it as yeah. a, I just don't see it as an equivalent sure. to saying season ending. So I don't agree with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because the season's almost over, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
1: I mean, it's obvious. Like someone could have gotten like a hamstring and had a season ending surgery. Uh, ending sure.
0: Ending. No. Yeah. No, no, absolutely.
1: But, for sure, you know, it's a big blow to the uh, athletics. I don't think it's going to hinder them too much. Obviously, they're going to be missing a big bat in their lineup. I still think they'll be doing okay. I still think they'll make the postseason, and I'm still going to stick with whether they had Chapman or not getting eliminated in the first round of the playoffs.
0: Oh, he's sticking to his guns. He's sticking to his guns. I love I to hear your confidence. So that is that is uh, something you never lack, Mr. Cross, even though <laughs> it sometimes uh, bites you right in your ass. <laughs> Fair, Fair. Um, Something interesting happened this week, Noah. I'm not sure if you heard this. The Tampa Bay Rays were the first team in modern MLB history to start all pure lefties, which means there were no switch Mm -hmm. hitters, which has happened before. They were all just lefty hitters. Uh, Manager Kevin Cash batted nine pure left-handers in his order against Boston. Uh, The right-hander was Andrew Triggs, who started the game. He was just an opener, though. They They ended up pulling him. Didn't really matter. Uh, the first time that has happened in the majors in the modern era, which means since the year 1900. Uh, it definitely paid off because if anyone watched that game, uh, along with me, <laughs> the uh, Tampa Bay Rays beat Boston 11 to 1. Uh, yeah, that hurt. That one was ridiculous. I'm like, ha, oh, lefties, idiot. That didn't work. Uh, at all against in the Red Sox favor, it worked perfectly in the Rays favor, and the Rays have started this trend, Noah, where they start something new they do something out of the ordinary and then everyone else does it Um, because if you remember, they were the ones who started starters, so they had pitchers come in to open the game, and then they brought their starting pitcher in that was last year or two years ago that, that they began doing that um, so are the Tampa Bay Rays a trend setter in the MLB now, Noah?
1: I mean, sure, I could say that. They're also showing us how to have a low salary cap and still have a good team. They're showing us how to build a team. They're showing us how to take players who I guess wouldn't be uh, number one or number two pick even and making them stars in their number one to number two picks. So the Rays are definitely forging a trail for baseball uh, in that respect and saying, these are the way we do things, let's do it. I did hear about this all lefty lineup when i i was actually getting in the car and leaving work and i got the notification from Blake Bleacher report i'm pretty sure just saying that it was happening and i i thought it was i just kind of lapped at, at a second and then i when i got home yeah. i really read the article and i was like wow that's that's different that's innovative and I, and i'm i can't say i'm extremely shocked that it's never happened before it, it is like a little surprising though uh, you know, just an all-lefty lineup. I felt like I was looking at my <laughs> roster on, like, MLB The Show, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: yeah, making your <laughs> ideal lineup in a video game versus it actually happening in real life.
1: Exactly. And, it, you know, it obviously paid off. I mean, 11-1 to 1 is big, but I will say the Rays have been playing a great baseball anyway, so.
0: Oh, right, yeah. So even if there was one righty mixed in there, do we think it would have been that much different against the slumping Red Sox? Probably not. Hmm. Um, This, this was definitely good for them to see that their uh, intuism... Intuition? Intuition? Intuition. Intuism, there it is. It's one of those words. Um, <laughs> was It worked off. It paid off. At least uh, on, on, uh, on paper it did. We don't know if it if completely had to do with it being just lefties, but definitely an interesting move that seems to have worked off for the time being. I'd be interested to see if they employ this sometime in the future here too, potentially moving into even the playoffs. Mm. But only time will tell. Uh, and there's another topic I really want to talk about here. Uh, and because last week we talked about fighting in the MLB and another fight happened. Mr. Francisco Lindor and Romo had a bench clearing altercation. Uh, the temper flared at target field during the eighth inning of the twins three to one victory over the Indians on Friday night with two outs and nobody on Minnesota reliever, Sergio Romo threw a one, one pitch to Francisco Lindor who had a fly ball, to left field, to get the final out of that frame. As soon as the ball left the bat, Romo began walking off the mound and towards the home dugout, and while Lindor smiled at Romo as he went down to the first baseline, the two began yelling and walking toward each other as the benches began to clear and the two had to be separated. Um, Noah, what in the world happened here? Because I, I'm not aware of any beef between these two. Um, I didn't do too much looking into their their past, Um, Sergio Romo, I just remember as being the hothead when he was on the Rays. Um, so maybe it's just his part of his character and guys like to get under his skin. Um, so do you, do you have any insight as to what happened here?
1: To be completely honest, I can't say there's too, too much going on between these guys beefing. I know Romo has about 10 years on Lindor, so he might, you know, he's only 37 and uh, I know Lindor is like 26 or something like that. So I'm not a hundred percent certain that it's so much of a generational thing, but I do think Romo might have a little more of a old school baseball. Oh versus, Lord, here we go! Uh, <laughs> respect the game vibe going on as to where Lindor is 1 million percent. A let the kids play type of player. Um, so, I mean, let's, let's look at this really here and what say, he Oh, have to
0: get mad about though.
1: But that, okay, well, uh, I was going to say, let's look at this for a second. Here's my thing. All, all these guys were like, Oh, respect the game and this and that. And you know, uh, be be I guess older and wiser and and respect based. Oh, uh where this fight started because Lindor smiled at him.
0: Oh no! Like, are we
1: are we honestly in like like are we in middle school? Like all right, this,
0: Joe West, pick up your ego off the ground. Let's go.
1: Is this high school? Like seriously, the guy hit a home run off of you, right? And he smiled at you, running to to first base. And yeah, no,
0: he didn't even hit a home run. That's oh, why yes, I'm sorry. Gonna... He hit a fly yeah. ball to left he hit a fly field. Ball.
1: And he smiled at him running to first base because he just wants to get under your skin, right? He's he's messing with you. But I mean, what's the best thing you could do? Like strike him out the next time. Strike out the next guy. Like I, I, to me, this is just a stupid fight. Like there's fighting because someone's throwing at your your pit, your hitter, right? There's right. They're fighting because uh, you know someone stared at a home run and you didn't like that. But again, you let him like they hit a home run off of you, so I guess pitch better. This is right. just kind of stupid. Like I'm all for. Uh, you know, baseball fights and sports fights because it's, it's an exciting turning point in the game, right? And it adds more to it later. And you might, you know, if they have a game the next day, you might see people get hit by a pitch or they might retaliate. And that's in any sport of retaliation, football, whatever, you might see someone retaliate. So it's exciting. Yeah. And it adds to the game. But this is just stupid. Yeah, like, I agree. <laughs> You know what this reminded me of, Noah?
0: I don't know if you remember this. I believe it was the 2013, maybe 2014 season. Um Big pop. No, it had to be. I, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was uh, David Ortiz was coming up to bat and Kevin Gregg, I guess had some sort of beef with David Ortiz and he threw in at him three times. And on the fourth time, David Ortiz popped it up mm. and uh, started slow jogging down the first, like all, all upset with himself that he didn't make good contact. And Kevin Gregg, for whatever reason, decides to yell at david ortiz like all right you know pick up the pace get your ass down the first is what he yelled at poppy and poppy was like oh really so he charged the mound and i'm like what what caused this what mm. why, why are you all angry at each other what are we children we can't just for 2 seconds get along on the field and then kevin gregg said something after the game like oh uh, we're not going to be intimidated by the big paychecks of everybody yeah. Um, yeah, our, our, producer Joe Guire brings up a good point. He says, I'm sure everyone is more upset than usual with all the weirdness of 2020, which, okay. Granted, but you've already been warned that if you fight or leave or leave the benches, you're going to be punished for it. Um, so you guys need to be more serious in, in, in taking this, uh, COVID seriously, especially when it comes to fighting. I understand that is probably exactly what it is, Joe. Um, But it's time for them to, uh, you know, put their money where their mouth is and show why they're the good player by just proving it on the field rather than trying to beat the crap out of each other. That's at least my opinion. Um, So, I I don't know. Save the fighting for next season when we hopefully are back to normal, normal, in air quotes, uh, proceedings. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, Um, Tyler, I do get what you're saying in the sense of like putting your money where your mouth is and all that. And sure, I get I'll stick with someone smiling at another player and then them fist fighting is kind of weird. Um, But I do have to agree with Joe here in the sense of it is a different season. There's a different vibe going on. And I uh, I guess baseball players being able to just kind of pick at each other does add a bit of um, a normalcy. To the, to the the show or to the – I mean, oh. baseball is a show. Let's be honest. Oh, i ch- yeah. choking people. Why do so, like, they think they're going to uh, the show? For, for, precisely. Um, so I guess, like, the players putting on that fight or putting on that show does add a little bit of a vibe that, all right, this is pretty you normal. Know, players fight each other because why not? Like, they're opponents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it just happens sometimes. What, what are we going to do about it?
0: Very true. Very true. Um, so yeah, I guess we can see both sides of the coin there um, So that, that, that does make sense I, I get what you guys are saying now I just hate to see it in a season like this Personally yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish they could keep their hands to themselves And uh, keep their mouths shut once in a while yeah. um, But a- with that, let's take a look at the standings Noah, let's see where we're landing Here right now um, I want to see who is Locked in maybe Who isn't locked in um, So as we look here Atlanta still holding that big lead. They had that massive win this week, Noah, 29 to like 10. Yeah, um, no. That was an insane win. They are 27 Straight and 19 break. leading the East. The Central, the Chicago uh, Cubbies are 27 and 20. And the Dodgers are the first team to 30 wins, and they are still surging 32 and 14. Dude. With the Padres are, hello, good morning, right behind you. So you better you better keep it up. Uh, Dodger, or the Padres are going 29 and 17. This is interesting here, Noah. Huh? Look at how close some of these races are.
1: Oh yeah, I mean the, the National League has always been the more competitive league. Uh, in in that respect, and I will say the only team that just towers above everyone else. I know the Padres are right on the dovetails of the right. Dodgers, um, but it's the dot. It's the I mean they're a dominant team. 32 what, and What more do you have to
0: say? Besides, it's the Dodgers, and they are incredible this season.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And they,
0: they have they've been incredible the last five seasons. They just mm-hmm. can't get the job done. Um, and as the Astros showed last night, it ain't over till it's over, and they beat them in late innings. Uh, which, true. by the way, screw you, Astros! I have to say it once every single episode. So <laughs> um, let's take a look at the American League really quick. You're going to see the the this chart change within the next week for sure. Tampa Bay is 30 and 16. they are leading the east uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays in second going 25 and 20 Yankees at 25 and 21 just a half game behind Toronto and then you know Boston somewhere in there don't don't really matter we don't got to talk about that uh, and then the uh, Chicago White Sox are leading the central going 29 and 16 oh I'm sorry excuse me there is a is that why is he why are they one game back I don't understand why it says that but Minnesota is also 29. And does that say 16 or 18, no, though? I can't read that.
1: So, yeah, Minnesota is 29 and 18.
0: Oh, uh, that's why. Okay, because they played. I thought it said 16. Um, so, yeah, so they are two losses, which equals, equals two half games because um, they've played two games more. So, yeah, they are one game out. Uh, and Cleveland is right there as well. They're 26 and 20. Uh, and then if you go down to the west, Oakland still leading the way there, 29 and 16 with Houston creeping back into it. They are 23-23. and 23. Uh, Houston, we're watching you, and we're listening. So if we hear one trash can, uh, that's it. You're out of here. All right? I'll be Joe West, and I'm throwing you out of the postseason. Uh, that's an, I've had enough. And you beating the Dodgers last night? I'm going to go watch every second of that game film and listen for that trash can. All right? We're watching you. Uh, who do you think going to win the AL and move on to the World Series? And you can't pick the Yankees. That's a tough choice.
1: What do you mean I can't pick the Yankees?
0: You're not allowed to pick the Yankees because we know you'll pick the Yankees. So say, poof, the Yankees are gone. Who are you picking?
1: Uh, you're going to make me do this, aren't you?
0: Yes. Do it. All say right.
1: it. Say it out loud. I, I will just say the team, and then that is the end of the conversation. <laughs> all right. If I had to say a team besides the Yankees, because there's nothing yep. we can do it, I would go with the dominant Tampa Bay Rays.
0: Yeah, it feels pretty obvious at this point. And my ego is like through the roof right yeah. now. Um, yeah. And I'm just loving it. And hearing you say that,
1: mm,
0: mm-mm, absolutely love that. Noah and really gets the Yankees. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> you are correct.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I don't think I asked for your input. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, and Tyler, Tyler,
1: I would guess that you're sticking with the oh, Razors. sticking to, okay. stick to my
0: guns. Sticking to my guns. Um, I I still think, still think, the World Series is going to be the Rays versus the Padres. The least the least watched World Series in the last one hundred years.
1: I, I uh, well, I don't know. I think I might disagree. really. Do
0: you I think, think any casual baseball fans are going to go? Oh, who's in the World Series? The Rays and the Padres. How excited. No, no, that's not a sentence that will ever exist.
1: What I am saying is it might have a bit of a draw as being more than likely, well, hopefully, the only ever COVID cup, quote, unquote, or COVID. Oh,
0: true. The, the COVID cup.
1: So that might have its own type of draw is all I'm saying. All
0: right. That's fair enough. Um, but that's, listen, they were my teams out the gate. And, man, they are both looking good, as Booker T would say. <laughs> so let's check in though, Noah, with my abysmal Red Sox. Uh, coming into today, since last week, uh, wow, they are two and four this week. Uh, really, 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 really hurt it. Um, There are a few bright spots, which we'll get to in a second, but the Sox are. Uh, 16 and 31. <laughs> we have a graphic up on the screen for you audio listeners that says eliminated. It's really tough having a producer who's a Yankee fan uh, because mm. I'm fighting both Noah and the computer at the same time. Mm. <laughs> um, but I do. If I'm going to focus on the positives, you've heard me say this name for nine weeks now. Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, not only is his defense showing, he is on an absolute hot streak right now. Jackie Bradley's hitting his slashes are 262, 335, 425, meaning he's been 2% better than the league average hitter just because of this week alone. Um, Consider this, though. It is about 12 points higher than where he's landed for the last three seasons, meaning 262 is better than where he's been for the last uh, two seasons. Just a few weeks ago, he's considerably worse than his career norm, so something has changed. And he's still providing elite defense in center field. Now, the question is, we were talking so much the past two weeks, uh, and maybe not just on the show, but just me and you, about Jackie Bradley's going to get traded. Um, but it would seem the Red Sox ownership does not want him to go. And Jackie had mentioned that they haven't even offered him a contract. I have a feeling that he was offered a contract based on how he finishes this season. Because all of a sudden, when there is no reason for the Red Sox to be out there smoking it, except for him maybe wanting to prove himself that he belongs on the team and that he, or maybe someone else should sign him, there's no reason for him to be playing as hard as he's playing. Um, So I think, thank you, Jackie, for actually giving us something to look forward to, that the Red Sox have offered him a contract. Um, Very excited to see Jackie doing well. But no, I'm more interested in your take on the Red Sox rookie Bobby Dahlbeck who becomes the first player with a five-game homer streak within his first 10 career games. He went deep in his first game and in his five most recent games, uh, minus yesterday. He didn't play yesterday. Um, And is it time – or do you think this is something that um, is palpable that this kid is going to be something massive in Boston, or is this just rookie hot streak? Um, that will ultimately not amount to anything.
1: I'll say this. Um, I think just jumping in deep and saying he's going to be the next big thing in Boston might be a, a big prediction, and I, I'll, I'll make that prediction, um, simply because there is a spot to be filled in Boston for that player. Yeah, was, absolutely. rookie bets and rookie was traded, I always say that Devers and Bogarts are your two guys. They just don't present them as the face of the franchise i'm sorry they don't like right. if, you look at, if you look at the yankees and you see a guy like aaron judge you know that that is their man plain and simple right here is a day and you look at a team like the red sox two years ago you could clearly see that mokey betts is their man and they need someone to put into that role and years ago you had dustin pedroia in that spot as the red sox man and you had david ortiz for a certain amount of time as their go-to man so right. I'll, I can say – I'll say this, that if, if Bobby uh, Dahlbeck can keep up his his work – now, I'm not saying hit a home run every game, which is amazingly impressive. <laughs> that, that, I will say, is a rookie hot streak of a, you know starting your first week in, in, in the game. Uh, I do see him being able to be a good force on the base pass, a good force in the field, especially with the bat, and being able to help the Red Sox and ultimately filling that void of that face of the franchise they've been looking for in the next couple seasons.
0: Yeah, I, you know, there's really not been that many shiny uh, moments for the Red Sox this this season. So to see guys like Dahlbeck and Jackie Bradley uh, providing our outfield with some glam and something incredible to look at, especially with them trading away Kevin Pilar, and oh, it's just been a whirlwind of a season to be a Red Sox fan. Um, I just have to ask one more question coming from someone who is not a Red Sox fan, because I'd rather focus on the Yankees right now. There's a lot more going on, so we'll move on from the Red Sox here. Shortly, but from a non-Red Sox fan, is it time for the Red Sox to pack it up and just start the farm?
1: I mean, I, I, I smiled when you when I read that originally, and I'm also smiling now reading it again. <laughs> it's just a funny concept to think about. I don't think it'll ever get to that, but I will say I, I don't think it matters too much this season because uh, again, they're already eliminated. Like they're not going to make it, is it? Uh, but in the sense ah! of in the sense of next season, um, I don't see them. I, I could see it happening because listen. Here's the thing, and I'm going to get to this in the Yankees segment. As you'll see, Gary Sanchez ha- took some time on the bench this week, this last week. Anybody can get benched if you're playing that that poorly and you're and you're not helping your team who is in that playoff push or has the uh, possibility of getting to get to that playoff spot and you're not helping your team out or you're not benefiting your team and being in the lineup then you're going to get bench time. And if there's other people like Bobby Dalbeck or any others in the Red Sox farm system who are producing, I don't care if it's for 2 weeks or 2 months. Right. Use that hot streak that they have. Why wouldn't you? I mean that's just that's what that's what you do. In baseball you have great days and you have terrible days. And if you know you're having a few a handful of people that are having great days, you're going to put them in the lineup every day and you're going to sit your veterans. And that's just the way it works.
0: Yeah, I I think it is time for them to just start the farm. Um, It looks like there's, I mean, there really is no mathematical way that the the Red Sox make the playoffs. It would have to be an absolute miracle for them to steal one of those bottom slots. Um, So I think it is time for them to uh, start the farm, give these guys some reps in the COVID cup season and see what these guys are worth. So next year we have a good eye on what they're able to do up in the majors. Um, But with that, Let's just move over to the Yankees so I can stop uh, crying about the Red (laughs) Sox.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I would say it wasn't an amazing week for the Yankees, but they had a good week. Uh, We got G.J. Lemayhew back from the IL, which is always a plus. As we know, the IL is plaguing the Yankees again this season, just as it did last season. On Sunday, the Yankees would lose to the Orioles uh, 5-1, and Tanaka would only allow two runs to be earned. And it was sad to see that the Yankees gave up three runs on the defensive front. Uh, they weren't playing too hot there. And it was, um, you know, an upsetting loss there to see Tanaka go out there and keep his team in the game. I always like to say that under three runs is a team being kept in the game. And if you can do that, then by all stretches of the means, you have an opportunity to win. So, I mean, Tyler, would you agree that if a pitcher comes in, starts a game and only allows three runs, that's keeping their team in the game?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you can keep it to three or less, um, that is absolutely um, where you want to be as a pitcher. Obviously less, um, but three runs should be enough for your offense to at least stay in the game. Mm. Um, So that is that is a good point. And I'm sorry. Let me interrupt really quick. I didn't realize this stat because I must have missed it last night. The Red Sox actually have been eliminated as of last night. So we don't have to worry about uh, these situations anymore. They are donezo. Um, so, yeah, carry on, though. Sorry, I just wanted to point that out. Joe sent that to me in a private chat.
1: No, you're good. Whenever you want to tell me about fantastic, devastating news for the Red Sox, you can interrupt me whenever you want. We'll <laughs> in future. I,
0: might need a, I might need a shoulder to cry on.
1: <laughs> for sure. uh, Mondays, Yankees uh, took a depressing 7-12 to loss to the Blue Jays. That game was an absolute brain oh wreck. And I shouldn't even say that game. It was really the sixth inning because the Yankees were actually doing fairly well starting pitching front front. <laughs> They started going to have a bit of a trouble in the sixth inning, and they brought in Chad Green and Vito, Adam Adovino, who allowed nine earned runs. And between the two <laughs> in the sixth inning, recorded one out.
0: Oh, man, I absolutely texted you uh, because I was watching that game.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: I came back around and like around when that happened that I had walked upstairs to maybe grab something to eat. And I texted you. I go, what happened? And you're like on Raw. I go, no, the Yankee game. You like, oh, I don't know. I stopped watching. Yeah, I, was I couldn't done. handle it.
1: I was done. <laughs> um, it, it was it was a tragic sixth inning, and that was the only the only two people that really got hit around. Like, and you, that that's Lily Ottavino's reaction after the game. He was, um, you know, he was upset, and he he. <laughs> When someone, when you get the ball, you're expected to keep your team in the game, do the best you can to give you guys the best chance for a win, and we didn't do that tonight, and it just happens. Uh, Adovino is a great pitcher. Chad Green is a phenomenal pitcher, and as we said, in baseball, you have good days and terrible days, and this for both of them would definitely be a terrible day um, to to be picking up a ball and tossing it over the strike zone. It just was not working. Uh, Well, let's hope they can work out those kinks and get back into it because, as we said, they're both all uh, elite pitchers, elite pitchers, to say the least. The Yankees would lose Tuesday to the Blue Jays 2-1 to then take a victory over them 7-2. to In uh, those games, Boone would actually bench Sanchez twice during the previous four games. As, Tyler, I was saying, doesn't matter who you are. You have a chance of being put on the bench if you're not really helping your team stay in it. What do you think of Boone's decision to bench Gary in these two out of four games and start Eric Kratz and or Kyle Hagashioka as opposed oh, to Sanchez?
0: I was just about to move my face into my... Uh, into the window that showed my head uh, because I was going to make my uh, you know my sly face because I've seen it coming that Gary was going to get benched and you didn't believe me early in the season um, I think he's deserved this bench I think it's I don't think it's going to become a trend no I saw your question down below Noah um, I just think that Gary needs some time to think about what Gary needs to do to better his game mm. um, he, I feel like he takes criticism from fans very seriously and just focuses on strictly what those fans are talking about rather than encouraging, uh, rather than working on, rather, his entire game. Um, so I think uh, especially come the offseason, Gary needs to work on his entire game rather than focusing on just his hitting or just his fielding. Um, otherwise, like I said, I still think Gary might be on the way out. Um mm-hmm so we'll, we'll see
1: yeah, absolutely so thank you for answering that you don't think it'll become a trend I don't either I mean they put Gary back in after those two games that he took off on the bench and he would pick it up yesterday Saturday uh, versus the Orioles picking up a single walk and a double So he was able to square up the ball enough to uh, put it in play and really I guess help his team out a bit and get on base so that's good the Yankees would go on uh with uh, three victories in a row between Friday and Saturday, putting them at 25 and 21, as we just saw, which is third in the AL East, just behind those darn Toronto Blue Jays. Or should I say (laughs) the Buffalo Blue Jays? Well,
0: yep, Buffalo Blue
1: Jays. The best team in
0: New York, some would say.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow, I cannot believe I haven't even heard that yet I'm surprised which is is surprising to be honest that's
0: no I just I saw it in a meme it was like show me the best team in New York and someone put the Mets he was like no the best one and someone put the Yankees he goes no I said the best and someone put the Blue Jays and he's like perfection
1: son of a bitch (laughs) I I don't know if I'm more upset because that's I mean maybe that's somewhat true Uh, or because of the fact that I actually think it's funny. So, (laughs) anyway, as you see this picture on your screen here, we have one true, true juggernaut of the New York Yankees here. That is Luke freaking Voigt, as I have him on our script. He has helped the thumping Yankees stay afloat in a huge, huge way, Uh, delivering a big sacrifice fly last night to save the Yankees. Yes, and uh, so this is actually a really amazing stat here—the fewest games to reach 50 home runs. You see Luke Voigt there with those. Oh, wow! I mean, look at the look at the names on that list. Look yeah. at the uh, that Luke Voigt is up there with prestigious players here. We have Babe Ruth, Gary Sanchez, <laughs> Aaron Judge, Rod, uh, Roger Maris, Alex Rodriguez, and Jason Giambi, who, I mind you, was a similar oh. stature to Luke Voigt and a first baseman for the Yankees. It was an absolute powerhouse, and Luke Voigt is putting himself right up there with those um, uh, amazing, amazing people. Uh, Luke no, Voigt, I
0: was actually going to write under your Luke Voigt um, that he reminds me a little bit of Jason Giambi.
1: See? It's no, it's no surprise. It's no surprise. Uh, so, yeah, Luke Voigt is hitting 285 average with a slugging of 629, an OPS of a whopping 982, and 16 dingers as I have it here, which is tied with Mike Trout for the most in Major League Baseball in this COVID season. Uh, definitely a big deal there. Aaron Boone realizes how vital Luke Voigt is, especially this season. I think we have a tweet actually from Brian Hoach. Uh, with Aaron Boone's comments, I just want to put that up on the screen. That would be awesome, and uh, we could uh, read those. Perfect. Uh, one thing that needs to be noted is you might have noticed Luke Voigt stumbling a little bit. I know he has that hop after his at bat, but it's not as aggressive as it is normally, and he's kind of uh, has a bit of a hobble going on um, when he's running the bases, especially after hitting all of those home runs he's been doing. So he's just getting what a lot in of the world <laughs> is foot stuff. <laughs> As I said, that hobble is what's being described as foot stuff. So he's really babying uh, his, his foot there and not putting too much pressure on it and that kind of thing. But he's still playing. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Here we go. So that uh, that's the foot stuff everyone was talking about. Also, why Bloom wanted to give Voight the day off yesterday uh, before. And if you see these stats here, as we said, Luke Voight is one of the six players in Yankees history to hit at least 13 homers through the team's first 33 games of the season. And uh, you've heard of these other guys, obviously, in the likes of Babe Ruth very huge, who's still playing, Uh, Mickey Mantle, Tino uh, Martinez, and bottom-bottom there is Alex Rodriguez, I'm pretty sure. uh, Again, Luke Voigt in elite status there with those huge names. Uh, Tyler, what do you think of this surge that Luke Voigt has just been having this season?
0: Um, I've said it the past few years before we've had this podcast that I think Luke Voigt's the real deal. Um, I think he is going to be one of the biggest names in baseball for the next 10 to 15 years uh i think luke Boyd is your first baseman of the future and i think he earns a big yankee contract within the next two years to ensure his spot in new york pinstripes for the rest of his career i think he's a
1: yankee lifer no for sure i i can totally agree with that Boyd is definitely a big asset to the team especially this year in that little bit of a drought we've been going through he's been the consistent Solid spot in our lineup. Uh, So it's good to see a guy like him on the field and absolutely in that MVP race to be uh, up there with elite players like that. He's definitely going to be going far. And, Tyler, would you now put Boyd in that MVP slot?
0: I would not put him in that winning slot. I would put him in the race, though. Um, It's it's very difficult for me to pick against guys like Trout, who are just uh, immaculate in all aspects of the game. Um, look, boy, you are, you are right there. You're right. There. He needs in the next few games to do some incredible, incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, granted, he's, he's hitting really well and fielding at first base really well, but it is time for him to make, to have his, you know, Mike Trout moment, his Mookie Betts moment, his clutch up moment to uh, prove that he deserves the MVP. Give him a home run in the ninth to win the game. That's what I'd like to see out of him.
1: All right, for sure, for sure. I uh, just wanted to, and then a quick injury update on the Yankees front there as we have to do this every. <laughs> this Trout, his team's in last place again. What a stud. And I, and that's the biggest thing. And, I, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It takes a lot more than one player to win a World Series. And that's why I don't care who the Angels sign every year. It's just a sidetrack for a minute. They could sign all the Rendones and all the Trouts they want. If they can't get the rotation in order and get a couple more solid bats, they're not going to do anything.
0: Yeah, here's my problem. I don't think, as, I don't, as you know, more often than not, I don't think with my heart when it comes to these things. I think with my brain. Um, so I think how the MLB thinks. I think how executives think. And not a chance would they put this Luke Boyd, who maybe a third of baseball watchers know his name, over Mike Trout. That is why I pick Mike Trout. Um, do I think that Luke Boyd deserves the MVP? Absolutely. He's played an incredible season. Um, but as we've seen with my picks on our other shows, I always pick with my brain, not my heart. That's why.
1: Gotcha. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, on a quick injury update, we have a tweet from Max Goodman, and we'll kind of just put everything into perspective. And look, we're looking to get Judge and Stanton uh, back very soon. Hopefully they're able to be start uh, start practicing again, taking at-bats and that kind of thing. Gio Rochelle, we might get back early this week, as soon as Tuesday, as you see there. Jonathan Lewisica could possibly be this weekend, is what he said. The tweet was tweeted a couple days ago, or early this week as well. Those are some good, reliable players that we hope to get back soon, especially Aaron Judge there. Um, I just hope we don't have the same issues as last season where Judge comes back and he's not able to get hot in time for a playoff push. Um, but we'll see what happens there. The biggest injury to me that is still sad is James Paxton is experiencing complications and healing from his flexor strain. Uh, he has not pitched since August 20th, which in this shortened season is a huge deal if he miss even two starts, let alone all those. All right. starts. Uh, if the Yankees uh, obviously will be hopefully making it to that playoff spot and they're going to need a three-hole pitcher because they usually are going right now, it looks like uh, Cole, Tanaka, and then Paxton. Tyler, who gets that three-hole spot out of the individuals left who are really starters now that the Yankees are relying on to fill this in those kind players? of
0: obvious, isn't it? Is it, though? Did Jay Happ feels like he's the one who deserves that spot.
1: Okay. Okay, Jay Happ, uh, you really, Yeah, Jay Happ. Okay.
0: I really – and you know what? Um, the one thing I I remember about Half is he's all right against the Sox, so maybe that's why I think that way. Um, um, but I I think he's the best of those three.
1: Fair enough. I, you, I don't know about like uh, Dev, he's definitely a good player. I think he's just young. Montgomery is the same. He's got a lot of potential. I think at this point the going to go for. Uh, they're going to need to just rely on someone who could just go out there and do it. And Half has true, been Hap. He he has been showing actually very good numbers this season. He's been very impressive. They haven't been pitching him a lot, and I know he wants to get out there and help the Yankees win. And I think he's going to be determined to do that. So I had to agree with you, and he'd be the replacement there for Paxton in a third in a three-hole uh, going from there in a playoff push. Uh, and then here, going back to James Paxton, I, there was an article by Fan uh, um Rutger Herring- Herringy, and the title was James Paxton may have thrown his last pitch for the Yankees. As he's a free agent at the end of this season, along with Yankees pitcher Masahiro Tanaka. Tyler, between the two of them, who is your priority as a GM to sign? Tanaka. Absolutely. I'd have to agree. And that's easy to say if simply with Paxton's injuries being uh, piling up here. And, you know, this is the second season now where he's having to miss so many games. Can uh, I make we'll- a
0: bold claim? I sure. think Paxton signs in the AL East, but not with the Yankees.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay.
0: I think he's going to be bitter about not getting a contract that he thinks he deserves. So he's going to sign with a team who he has a chance to take the Yankees out. I'm going out on a limb and saying Toronto.
1: Mm, I knew you were going to say Toronto. Toronto. So I mean, that I guess that answers my question of if the big maple will be leaving the big apple and your answer would be yes.
0: Uh, 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 good one. <laughs> big maple. He should have said Maple, but yeah, all right, that's fine. Um, yeah, so he definitely is leaving the New York Yankees, I would say. You know what? 90% positivity that he will be leaving the Yankees.
1: Hmm. All right. I mean, but I- it's
0: always going to be Tanaka time in New York. If they ever get rid of Tanaka, I will be so surprised.
1: I, I have to agree Tanaka has been a consistent spot in mean, the Yankees' presence and, and their rotation I don't see them getting rid of that guy he he comes up big in a lot of in a lot of appearances he's been there for them he's been an anchor for them more than one occasion so tanaka's definitely a guy you want to keep um I honestly have to it's tough. Paxton had a lot of good press surrounding him when he made his debut in New York. When he showed up in New York, people were excited about it. I almost bought a Paxton jersey, and now with the rumors of him might not coming back, I'm happy I didn't because I usually have that curse where I buy a jersey <laughs> and the player leaves. I
0: do have that curse. <laughs> yeah,
1: so happy I didn't buy that Paxton jersey simply because you know his his status in pinstripes is definitely up in the air. Uh, to, well, from, to personally, I don't think. I don't think the Yankees will re-sign Paxton. If they do, it'll be for a low number. And, and he's uh, not going to take that. And you know who his um, agent is?
0: Who his agent Oh, uh, I do remember that. Who was that? Um,
1: that's Scott- a agent,
0: isn't it? Isn't the one who was with A-Rod?
1: Uh, I don't know if he represented A-Rod, but he also he did represent Garrett freaking Cole. That's right. Yeah. So Paxton's agent is Scott Boras. If you don't know, he is a very inf- – well known, and I don't know if infamous is a, probably a good word to go. Uh, agent in baseball, and he's known for getting all every single cent out of any free single team. Uh, and I know they're going to be asking a good amount for Paxton, and I honestly don't see the Yankees saying. I mean, you you can't. You got them in the injuries piling right. up, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. So with that, yeah, be- no, I, I
0: I see that. That makes sense. Um, I just I don't think he's going to get the money he wants, and that's why I think he's going to end up in Toronto or. Tampa, somewhere where they have a little bit of extra cap space to sign in, mm-hmm. uh and not have to worry about their superstars as much as the Yankees do. Um, so, yes, Tanaka time will continue in New York. Um, I don't think that that happens for uh, Mr. Paxton. But, Noah, um, it has been a action-packed episode of Baseball with the Bar. This may be a record uh, for how long we've been able to talk about a slumping Red Sox and a can I dare dare I say underdog Yankees? Uh, that kind of is a weird sentence to say because you never consider the Yankees to be an underdog. Um, but yeah, action-packed week of baseball. Uh, very excited to see the postseason is on the horizon. We are getting there, even though my Red Sox are not going to be there. I will be very excited to see how this postseason wraps up or begins. Not even wraps up how the season wraps up and the postseason comes to us very, very soon. So to finish the show, this is Tyler Bard. That is Noah Cross. Thank you all very much for watching Baseball with the Bard. the bar.